Hi, everyone. Um, between the logistics of the church need to be open, the people need to come, the lights need to be on, the mic needs to be the cor- set up the correct way, there's so much that Pastor Ellis is doing every single morning that I just have you know, appreciated in a whole new way these couple of weeks that he has been away. Um, so this is the last Sunday that we are without him. He'll be here next Sunday, and he's feeling much better. Thank you so much for your prayers. Um, he literally said, it is obvious that people are praying for me because how, for us, for Ginger and him, because how, how much better they've been feeling. So thank you all for praying. And um, before I start, <clears throat> since Andre didn't pray for me, um, I will just <laughs> I will just start with that. <laughs> um, dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for um, your presence in this room, Lord God. Even with the first song, Lord God, that was sung, Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we are um, reading this truth, Lord God, um, as I attempt to speak the words that I believe that you put on my heart, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you be speaking through me, God. Open everyone's heart here, Lord God, to receive your word, not mine, Lord God, but yours. And I'm so thankful, God, for the opportunity to be in the room together, Lord, to worship together with these people, with these brothers and sisters, Lord. Um, And I'm so thankful, Lord God, that um, we can do this safely, Lord God, and openly, Lord God, just worship you, raise up our hands, and declare the truth of who you are. Um, So I pray that we do this together. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lana, um, and I'm one of the elders here. Um, So the title, as you can see, is Effortless Habits. No such thing. Sorry. For those of you who are contemplating leaving the room at this point, (laughs) that, you know, this has been a lie of a title, um, just stay with me. I have a couple of truths, I hope to unveil that um, though they cannot be effortless, that God supplies and provides everything that we need to sustain. So today is January 23rd, which is end of the third week of January or beginning of the fourth week for how the American calendar looks at it. Um, And this is about now that people are giving up on their resolutions. Um, And for me, I grew up in Russia, there was no such thing as like New Year's resolutions. For us, the holiday season starts December 31st and goes the first two weeks of January. So we are all partying the first two weeks of January, ending at about maybe January 15th, 16th, going to work. Now, is that good? No, but that's how it's set up. So for me, it was no such thing of like starting the new year, the new year fresh with all these goals so when I came to the U.S., I realized that that's kind of like the joke here, that no one is actually able to do this and to maintain the habits that, or the goals, or the resolutions, whatever people call them, that they actually set up in the beginning of the year. So um, I got curious with the topic, and now that I got a blank check of a topic to teach on, um, it, meaning it's not part of a series, we are going to enter the series um, soon in a couple of weeks, I got curious about the topic and decided to further research it and kind of like talk about it with you guys. As a non-native English speaker, before I start researching anything, a word, a topic, I have to first start with a definition of it. So a habit is a usual way of behaving 
something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. And another definition says, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Meaning it's almost automated, right? Whether we realize it or not, we all have habits. And you may not know what habits are, uh, what habits are there in your life, but because you're just, like this says, you're so used to doing that that you may not even know that you're doing it. But if somebody else watches you, like if I follow you for one day, I'm so curious as to what I might find. But I will notice the things that you do in your daily life that you, oh, like really? I do that in this sequence every single morning? I didn't even realize it. But it is true. And this, there's, um, there is the research paper from Duke University that I actually have a copy of. So for those of you PhDs in the room, I can definitely provide a copy. It is very interesting. It says 40% of the actions we take every day are results of habits and not a result of daily decisions. It doesn't mean that we are just like, you know, these robots walking around, but kind of to a certain extent, 40% of it to be exact. Um, it is, I think, very interesting that it's almost half of our day that is already pre-negotiated. Like you don't have to start a day saying, oh, will I drink water today or not? No, you just go ahead and drink it because at 7 a.m. or whenever it is that you wake up, you're just taking a sip of glass of water and coffee and getting in your car to drive and then driving. You probably listen to the same radio station every morning. And then you go to your breaks at work, probably at around the same time. And the list goes on and on and on. And it says that your current behaviors are simply a reflection of your current identity. What you do now is a mirror image of the type of person you believe that you are, either consciously or subconsciously. Now, I bolded you believe in my notes here because what we believe about ourselves can be really tricky. And therefore, I want to look into um, a couple of verses on where our identities lie and where our habits initiate. This is not a teaching on identity. We have to do like a whole series and maybe only touch a sliver of what our identity is in, Je in Jesus. But this is just a tad bit of it um, to continue with the topic of habits. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Praise God. So if some of you had habits in the life that you had before you um, started believing in God, and you're like, well, I've kind of been doing this all my life, you know, it's just continuing on. But what does the Bible say about your habits and about your identity? It says that you are new. It means that all the things can fall away and let go of them. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into his image. So we're not just like, you know, the old has gone and the new is here. We're also being daily transformed as a process of getting us closer to God. 
doesn't mean that our habits will stay the same, you see. We have to continuously reform our daily life in order to look more like Jesus, in order to have a fragrance of the Lord. So what I have connected the dots uh, between these two things, the, ver the study that I mentioned and these two verses, is that to change your behavior for good, the resolutions, the goals, the word for the year, whatever you call it, you need to start believing new things about yourself. And you say, well, it's really hard to believe new things about myself because my mind just defaults to new things, to, to, to the things that I think about myself. Well, in order to believe something, you need to what? Know it, practice it, read about it. And I don't think it comes like, you know, day one, January 1st, or whenever you start, and that's it. Stuck with you. No, it's a daily battle, especially when it's determined to make you more successful in your pursuit of God. The enemy doesn't want that. Your mind sometimes struggles with that as well. Our mind sometimes goes against us, even though our spirit and our nature wants to be closer to God. It takes a, a little bit of tweaking every single day, and it's got to be intentional. Why do we think, why do you think we call it our uh, introduction classes to gallery intentional living? Because no one just stumbles into it. We have to make it our daily pursuit. So we determined that your identity is in the Lord now. With that, what habits do we need to acquire in order to become who the Lord is calling us to become or habits that we need to drop? Some of you may argue, well, Lana, if the Lord wants me to do it, he will just lead me to it. He will give me the strength. You know, he'll just guide me and direct me. It seems like this whole developing habits thing is just, you know, trying to make it happen. You know how I know that some of you may be thinking that? Because I'm thinking that. God, but if you want me to be reading the word more or pray more or not cancel the call that I have with my prayer partner for a third week in a row, you're just going to lead me to do it. You're just going to lead me to roll back from my couch watching four episodes of a Netflix show in a row, and you're just going to lead me to, you know, open up my phone and call my friend and pray and share whatever. It does not happen like that. You don't have to worry, though. God will always do his part. That is something that he has done time and time again. He will do his part without even you asking it or wanting it. How much more if you actually do ask or want? But there's one thing he will not do. He will be faithful. He will lead you to the situation, to the, to the well, let's say. He will actually orchestrate the whole thing so that you may benefit from it. But he will not do your part. You have to do it. I have to do it. You know how I know this? Because of the story of Lazarus. God set everything up for a miracle. And to save some time, I'll just kind of give you the short version of it. God bless it. Um, so everything was set up in a way that seemed like Jesus didn't care about Lazarus, right? So Lazarus was sick. Jesus was notified that Lazarus was sick. It said that Jesus loved 
his brother Lazarus. And yet, he started going away into the opposite direction, even though he could have walked to the city where Lazarus was at home sick to, to heal him. But no, Jesus just starts going about his business. And Jesus didn't even have to be there. He could have just thought the healing and make it happen, right? And everybody's now confused and mad, like, well, Jesus, if you had come earlier, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But he died. So much so that by the time Jesus got to this um, town, he has been dead for four days and already was in the tomb, and the, the, the tombstones were already closed, locked. That's it. Lazarus was buried. And it says Jesus wept because he loved his brother Lazarus so much. Everything was set up for the faith and for, for the increasing of the faith of those around Jesus who did not see what was actually happening. But God was actually working. Then Jesus comes to the tomb, and he says, he gives two commands. And here's the key verse that I'm trying to make a point on. Take away the stone, and Lazarus come forth. Could Jesus have not taken away the stone by just looking at it or thinking it? Yes, he's very capable of doing that. Could Lazarus not just, you know, roll out because Jesus just thought about it and gave him direction? God, it's all powerful. But Jesus is saying that and doing it because he wants you to see the action that he's asking other people to take. He's doing this. And Lazarus is dead, dead. Like, what action is expected of a dead man? But it's for our benefit to see that God is asking us to participate in the calling, in the habit-making, in whatever it is, in the purpose, and becoming more like him. He's not just going to like, we're not his Muppets, you know? We're not just like walking around where he's telling us to go without thinking it. He gives us free will. We are capable of making our own decisions. He made us this way because that's what his true love is about. So we are going to have to do our part. And in James, it says, faith without works is dead. So how do we act? What do we do? Okay, I get the story, Lana. What do we do now? I believe that we all need to start small in everything. In everything. In your faith and the reading of the word, and, I don't know, helping somebody out, and starting a new exercise routine, whatever it is, start small and be consistent. It's not about starting well, it's about finishing well. So I read this book a couple of years ago, and reread it, actually, um, a couple of times. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it says, goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. And you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. I think that is the best definition of habit making or the problem that it is with, you know, people dropping resolutions by right about now is that our systems are not supportive of our goals. I'll elaborate. The Olympics is coming up, right? You guys know I love the Olympics. 
for those of you who don't know, now you do. I will be posting a lot of stories on my Instagram about the Olympics. I will be staying up all night because it's in Beijing. I love the, the whole aspect of the Olympics. And everybody at the start line of you know, the race at the Olympics has one goal in mind, getting the gold medal. Will everybody get it? No. But everybody has the same goal. But every single person lining up had a different system coming up to the Olympics. And when they hit the goal, whether they get the, you know, the gold, the silver, or bronze, it will be a proof that their system worked to carry them through and reach that goal. It won't just be the goal alone. I can put the, whatever goal in mind that I have. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. The resolutions prove it, right? You can have whatever goal, and by January 23rd, it's gone. I'll give you an example a little bit on a personal level. A couple of years ago, I got involved into a um, small group of um, cancer patients who have um, this, it's an organization who supports young adults battling cancer through sport. So those who are in treatment or after treatment, they just come out and, you know, support each other by walking in the park. Sometimes that is good enough for a person who's going through chemo. Or um, they just come out and don't feel like walking. Or maybe they feel like running. Whatever the case, that is what the organization does. And I was very encouraged by something that they said. I don't have to run or exercise. I get to run or exercise. And that struck me because that is where they, it's something that's clicked for them when their life was threatened. They realized that I don't want to waste any time. I want, I, I get to do this. I have legs, I have feet. Awesome. I will seize the day and do this because I get to do this. So I was very inspired and encouraged and I was like, I want to start running. And I started running. It was terrible. I was hurting. Every single time I ran, I hurt more and more and more. And I was discouraged. I cried literally two times on a run. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I really want to do this because I was very inspired. But I can't. Like, what is wrong with me? It took like a year of this very inconsistent, painful habit building. And then thank God, there were people that I listened to that, you know, gave me good, solid advice. Start small. If you're running and you can't hold a conversation while you're running, you're running too fast. And I was like, no way. All these runners around Baltimore, they're running so fast. There's no way they're holding a conversation. See, like, I was trying to compare myself to all these other people. And then I finally, it's just... I think I was just at the end of my wits, and I finally started running slower. It was very hard to do. When everybody's passing you, you're like, oh, I'm just running slower because I, I'm doing something, like I'm building a habit. It sounds ridiculous, but just at, you know, apply it to any area of your life. And then let me tell you, after a while, I realized that I hurt much less if I'm running this way. Still hurt, don't, don't get me wrong. But... Like, I'm actually capable of going out on another run in a couple of days. Wow. Um, 
and I don't cry anymore in, in running <laughs> because I'm beginning to actually enjoy it. And then endorphin is a drug, of course, so you get addicted little by little, you know. And that's, that's the way that the habit built. Now you can't pay me to stop running. Now, I may never run as fast, I probably never will, as Andrew Felter or Kevin Gaughan, nor do I want to, because honestly, that sounds painful, the paces that they're running at. But hey, it's not about that. And I'm not going to the Olympics anyways. Um, so, <laughs> but that's just me, and that's just my story, right? Let's look at what the Bible has to say. And there is a master of good habits, and his name is Daniel. Daniel never, never ceases to amaze me. Now, the Bible says that he was the young man of the nobility, and he was the cream of the crop of the Israelites. He was intelligent, wise, and he, after training in the Babylonian ways, he's a Jew, he grew up in the land of Babylon, after training in the Babylonian ways, culture, language, etc., he entered the personal service of King Nebuchadnezzar as an advisor and overseer, very high position. And it says in verse 3, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the, um, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then people started getting jealous of him and wanted to make him fail. So they started looking for his character flaws. Couldn't find any, because his integrity was top-notch. So then they created the law that said no god was to be worshipped, except for the god of their own town, because they knew Daniel was a believer in God, and he knew, they knew he took his faith seriously. Big obstacle, right? for Daniel to keep believing in God. And in, verse, in um, chapter 6, verse 10, as it says on the screen, now when Daniel learned that the decree has been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jer Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. What does Daniel have? He has himself a habit. And it's not just a habit that he's just, I'm going to sit here and wait for 10 minutes to pass because I'm so done with this time of prayer already. I'm just going to like endure it and then I'm just going to keep going about my day. No, no, no. He was intentional about his prayer three times a day. And he's not even allowed to do that. Spoiler alert. That's what got him into the lion's den. Because people saw that he was praying and he did not seize just because a decree was passed that he's not allowed to worship any other god. Good habits don't necessarily make your life much better. But that's another teaching. Pastor Ellis will take care of that. Um, how many of you make an effort, make every effort to complete the list of habits for the day that you have? It's not about completing it, and it's not about perfection. It's about making every effort, as the Bible calls us to do that. Consistently. 
over the course of time. Nobody just stumbles into praying three times a day, let me tell you. It is a fight to pray one time a day consistently over a period of time. Three times a day, that means I have to like cut down my lunch hour by however many minutes and I have to like get into the spirit and try to like listen for what the Lord is saying to me and try to think about what happened with my day. Like it takes time and effort. Plus there's opposition like the enemy or just my own mind and then there's regular laziness. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But if you do not proactively do this, challenge yourself time and time again, the default system will draw you in. Make no mistake, there is a system in your life. You may not know it, but there is one. It may not be productive. It may not be good. It may not be beneficial, but it exists. And that's what the study showed. You don't even know that it exists, but it exists. Starting small is something God is looking for. He's just looking for one small action. He doesn't need you to move mountains. He can do that. And in Matthew 25, 23, it says, You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. God can take the little bit of habit adjustment that we can make. And just watch where he will launch it to. So moving on to the life application part of the teaching. Um, a lot of you know I am very practical. So I really appreciate, okay, what's the one thing I need to do when leaving the teaching, the group study, whatever. So let's examine on how to start, starting today. You're not going to start tomorrow because that's the first really, really bad habit of, I'll just start Monday. No, 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 no. Your calendar says today is the first day of the week, so we're starting today. Um, the book that I mentioned before, Atomic Habits, um, it has a system of how to build a very, very doable habit, again, starting small. So it says, make it small and very obvious. For example, I will, then insert goal, at insert time and location. Let me give you a very specific example. I will read three verses of the Bible, which is a goal, at, I don't know, 7 a.m. and location, I have a chair in my room, I read there usually, in my reading chair. Your goal may be, I will listen to a devotional that I found online at 7.30 a.m., location will be in my car on my way to work as I drive every single day. Or you can put whatever goal in there. It doesn't have to be the Bible reading. You better have a habit of Bible reading. Um, but your mind, as you say it and as you do it, your mind will begin to visualize it because you're putting specific actions into specific time and location. Sounds very easy. But repetition is the key. We're not called to coast or react or drift with the waves like the Bible says. We are called to be proactive about our habits. So examples of good habits. Discipline of reading your word, like I mentioned already. Discipline of praying. 
find a prayer partner. Don't do it alone. They will hold you accountable. It is very easy to drift by yourself when no one is there to hold you accountable. You guys are all sitting next to somebody. Just turn to them and say, hey, would you be my prayer partner? Discipline of doing one thing for someone else. One thing. Doing for your neighbor. Hey, miss, whatever. I noticed that your car is still snowed in. I decided to clean your windshield, whatever. I hope that's okay with you. Have a great day. If you're married, making a cup of coffee for your partner. Just watch how far it will take you. Discipline of giving. It is, this is not a teaching of giving, but this is a teaching of being disciplined in your giving so you don't have to negotiate every single time your paycheck comes through. Well, do I just like calculate it off of the gross, off of the net? Like, just make a decision and do it consistently over a period of time. It will become a habit. Discipline of perfecting your craft. Whatever it is, taking a course, becoming better in what it is that you do, learning an instrument, if you already play one, perfecting it, using your talents for the glory of God and his kingdom. Discipline out of your job, being on time all the time, every day, over the course of time. Earning respect by acting with integrity. Dropping gossip at the cooler. You know, there are Zoom meetings now that are being set up for those who are like working from home. They're called like the water cooler Zoom meeting, meaning people just go online and just like gossip as a substitute for what usually naturally happens at the water cooler or the coffee machine. Legit, there are meetings like that. I'm not making this up. <laughs> so maybe use that time for your prayer instead. <laughs> Discipline of health, removing things from your diet or adding things to your diet that you don't currently um, do and you know it's good for your health. So what are the benefits? To wrap this up, habits free us from being distracted by our own actions or lack thereof so that our attention can be focused on God. Good habits protect what's most important. They keep us on track of perseverance, even when we don't feel like persevering. Do you ever feel like persevering? Good habits help us practice and maintain self-control and buy back time that we would be wasting, spending our time defaulting to what the day brings. Oh, it's 1 p.m., I got to do, go do my X, Y, and Z habit. Got to go. Sorry, no, I can't do it. I can do it at 3 p.m. if you want that. Set up a meeting, whatever it is. 1 p.m., this is my time of when I do X habit. I hope that this does not sound to any of you as checking the box. This is not about checking the box at all. If you notice about your day as you go and you notice that you're just checking the boxes, stop. Look up to the, to the Lord and say, God, I have drifted into checking the boxes. I've become legalistic about my habits. It's not about, like, nobody's going to grade you on that. It has to be connected to your identity. If you lost it, 
and you're just checking the boxes, go back to your identity and say, God, what do you say about me? Why am I doing these things? I need to recenter myself and I, I, on you and your word, and I need to get back to my routine for the reason I started it, not for just drifting into checking the boxes. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, God, that you are so faithful, Lord God, that you have proven time and time again that you can do so many things for us, God. And you can draw us in to act in the way that your identity shows us to act. Thank you, God, for inviting us into the kingdom, God. Thank you, God, for inviting us to participate in our daily life and giving us the free will. And we are sorry, Lord, that we use it for our own quote-unquote benefit as we think, but it's actually destruction. I ask you, Lord, as we rethink our days and we rethink our schedules and we start to examine what it is that we hold true about our identities and build on it. I pray, Lord God, that you have mercy on us, God. I pray that you give us grace, Lord God. When we slip, Lord God, I pray that you keep the enemy away, Lord God, from just discouraging us even further, God. And I pray that you get us back on track, Lord God. Help us, Lord. We need you. Because clearly we don't have it figured out. I ask, Lord, that as everybody um, goes home today after the service, I pray, Lord God, that you would put one small habit on their heart, what you want them to do, God. And I pray, Jesus, that you will remain faithful, Lord God, and when they act, Lord God, you will be right there and just multiply the action, Lord God. Show them, Lord God, just like you did in the case of Lazarus, Lord God, show them that you can bring things to life, Lord. You can increase the little that we have. And I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you can do that and that we can freely pray for it and know that you will have no hesitation to deliver. I thank you, God, for our church, Lord. I thank you, God, that we want to be intentional with one another. So as we leave here today, I thank you, God, for, I, I ask you, God, that you will put a person in our heart, Lord, that we will do one small habit for their benefit, Lord. We will be loving brothers and sisters, and, an, and we have an actionable way to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys.